Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast. Global News is uh, reporting that uh, four days after the election, Biden secured the critical victories over Trump in uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And the Associated Press projected Biden will win at least 284 electoral votes. Uh, some races in some states still too close to call, but all it takes is 270 votes in the Electoral College. Joining us on the Roy Green Show is our Global News colleague from Washington, reporter and producer, Reggie Sacchini. So, Reggie, what's it like in Washington now? It's a jubilant atmosphere uh, in D.C. I was at the White House for the last five days, uh, and the, the atmosphere was energetic uh, with a group that was excited for change. Maybe not for Joe Biden, but for a change inside of the White House. Uh, and that energetic atmosphere has simply exploded. And we're not just seeing that in Black Lives Matter Plaza outside of the White House. We are seeing this in city after city across this country with people uh, taking to the streets uh, after what they see as four years of attacks on American democracy. And what carried it for uh, for Biden today was Pennsylvania, correct? They they came through with the votes that Trump, uh, Trump that Biden needed. Biden needed those votes, uh, and they continue to come to him. Uh, you know, before the sun rose this morning, the numbers were in and around the 24,000 mark. After the sun came up this morning, uh, the numbers were in and around 31,000. And there are still uh, upwards of, if not over, 100,000 ballots that need to be counted across Pennsylvania. So this margin that's roughly a half percentage point between the two men right now is only going to continue to grow, despite the fact that it could potentially face some kind of litigation from the Trump campaign. Has there been reaction to the fact that Donald Trump says uh, has said this election, and we'll say no doubt, this election was stolen from us, and yes, we're going to go to court. Has there been reaction to that today? Well, look, look Joe Biden's uh, position now as president-elect is, uh, is being noted by Republicans. There are senators. There are representatives from the House. There are uh, governors from across this country that are Republican that are actively reaching out to Joe Biden uh, because this election has been called. And President Trump's uh, political blustering that he's doing by saying that he won this election by uh, by, by simply not uh, uh, paying attention to the realities that are very quickly walking up to the front door of, of the White House are simply not going to make any difference. The president can say what he wants right now. The American people are the ultimate ones that have a say, and they can fight this in court uh, as much as they want. But at the end of the day, the votes are being counted, uh, and Donald Trump has not won this election. Yeah. Reggie, what was it about the Biden campaign that managed to win it for the president-elect? Was it, was it an, a campaign of anti-Trump Americans versus, versus pro-Trump Americans, ultimately? I think that it's it's a combination of things right now. You have a country that has been politically exhausted uh, under President Trump's leadership. They have become incredibly politically divided under President Trump's leadership. And for all of the legislative and policy misses that President Trump has had over the last four years, 
his handling of the coronavirus uh, throughout all of 2020 has had a detrimental effect on his uh, on his ability to get reelected. Uh, his inability to accept it as uh, as a deadly situation. His refusal to uh, play it as if it were something that was impacting everyone around him. Uh, and it's something that has been embraced by Joe Biden. We already know Joe Biden's first act on Monday is going to be to put together his own coronavirus task force, utilizing uh, the resources that he has around him to counter what President Trump is doing. And, and this virus it may ultimately be what cost Donald Trump this election. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Democrats will have the White House. They will have the House itself. And the Senate, what does that look like? That was tied 48-48 just yesterday. Yeah, it still is tied right now. And that is because we are going to be waiting uh, for the results of what happens outside of Atlanta. Two of the uh, the two Senate seats that are open right now, which is a rarity in a state, uh, are both heading into a runoff, which will take place in January. So we can now take all of the money and all of the visions that people have been putting from coast to coast in this country. They are all going to be situated squarely on the peach state uh, as Democrats and Republicans dump as much money as they can because the balance of power is up for grabs right now. Democrats are going to uh, do what they can to take back uh, a section of, of, of the legislative branch of government that they have not held since the second year of Barack Obama's first term. They lost the Senate in 2010, uh, and they are going to, to uh, come hell or high water, try to regain that control back to have a firm grip on the government of the United States to be able to pass through the legislation that they're looking for and to ensure that Joe Biden is not met with any kind of uh, potential retaliation for his victory, considering that the majority of what he's going to want to do has to pass through the Senate. Where do uh, Canada and the U.S. relations fit? What do you expect? Mr. Biden has said he would cancel Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, Premier Kenny has said he's not so sure about that. Uh, how do you see the changes? How do you see changes developing in the Canada in the Canada U.S. relationship with a President Biden? Well, I mean, look, uh, we've already had uh, Prime, Minister, Prime Minister Trudeau, who may have been the first world leader uh, to reach out publicly to uh, to, uh, to President-elect uh, uh, Joe Biden. That is that is already the first step uh, in, in rebuilding what has been a slightly tattered relationship uh, over the last several years. Uh, I think that these are going to be conversations that will take place on a more broad level now between Ottawa and Washington. You have leaders who are... Uh, politically, ideologically situated on the same side of the political spectrum. And while there may be disagreements over the environment, uh, particularly when it comes to Western environmental projects linked to oil, uh, I don't think you're going to see big, drastic changes that are going to come and essentially wipe things off the map. I think you're going to see gradual conversations that try to come to some kind of resolution uh, simply because that is Joe Biden's style. He is not an outsider who comes into the White House never having been uh, in a position to have to make negotiations or or work around a political uh, uh, kind of circle. I think these are the conversations that you're going to see played out and drawn out, much like we saw in the years before Donald Trump was in office. Reggie, I appreciate your time. I have one more question for you, and then, of course, we'll talk to you later during the program. But what about the concerns about confrontations between supporters of Joe Biden uh, and supporters of Donald Trump? I think that this is something that, that, is, that is an active threat in this country right now, uh, and it is because, A, we are seeing uh, a clash of 
kind of celebrations in the street right now. You, in somewhere like Atlanta, Georgia, there are victory parties for Joe Biden, and two blocks away, there are protests with Donald Trump supporters saying that this election was rife with fraud and this election has been stolen. And there are fears that this is going to continue. Remember, Donald Trump has, rather, Joe Biden was, was declared president-elect hours ago. Donald Trump has not called Joe Biden to concede And that is only going to inflame the tensions, the political tensions that exist inside this country. Uh, And if we do not get a concession from Donald Trump, what does that do to his supporters? Does it lead them to believe further that this election was stolen from him? And does that lead to some uh, kind of potential harm? Law enforcement was already on the ready. They're going to continue to be like that. Reggie, when we talked last hour, you had uh, pointed out that uh, Donald Trump had not contacted Joe Biden, although um, significant members of the GOP had, in fact, been in touch with the Democrats. Has anything changed? Nothing has changed yet, Roy. Uh, President Trump was at his golf club in Virginia uh, for several hours this morning. And uh, as far as we know, the the pool that is with the club, they departed uh, about half an hour ago. It's probably taking them a little while to get back to the White House, given the crowds that are outside. But there has still been no contact between the current administration and the transitioning administration, which breaks with decades uh, of tradition for a president to call and concede upon defeat. And I would imagine that only raises the anxiety level for people who are in those crowds. Well, look, it raises anxieties uh, right across the country, both outside the White House and inside both the administration and the transitioning administration. There's a fear that not conceding could uh, lead to a significant escalation in potential uh, aggressions that we may see on the streets that law enforcement is preparing for. But there's also uh, an internal crisis that this, uh, that this uh, kind of creates that the General Services Administration, which is kind of an unknown area inside the administration, needs to be able to use a presidential concession to start moving money over towards a transitioning administration. They can't just do it automatically. They need to be able to assume that the results that are being discussed widely are what they are. uh, And without a concession, it makes it more difficult. So you now have potential aggression and problems and crises in the streets. You also have crises happening inside uh, the two administrations. Yeah, what's the process leading to a transition? What do they do? So essentially what's going to happen is the General Services Administration, once the determination has been made within the administration uh, that Joe Biden's win is legitimate, it essentially unlocks the resources that he needs. $9.9 million, that will go to help him uh, be able to create a team that will vet his cabinet, that will get everything in order for the moment that he is inaugurated and assumes the powers of the presidency. This is something that most incoming presidents get roughly two months to deal with. Uh, but if we have a president who won't concede, if this is going to be tied up in litigation, hoping somehow maybe that the Supreme Court steps in, uh, it takes time away. But we also have to remember that the Electoral College has to have this certified by December 14th. So time will run out, uh, and, and this power will have to go to Vice President uh, Biden. It just makes it, it gives him less time, essentially, uh, to get what he needs to get done to become president. So, Reggie, is there any uh, any reason to expect uh, that there could be, have been a mistake with the projections? We understand that Georgia is going to involve a recount. Other states are very close. Uh, how, how secure should people be in the projection that Joe Biden's won? So here's how we have to look at it. Arizona potentially could be taken away from Joe Biden. Uh, so we called it a global news. Some networks have not called it. Uh, that would still leave him with 253 electoral college votes. 
Pennsylvania is going to go to Joe Biden because we are seeing the margins continue to break for him in an 80-20 split. The lead continues to grow. That's 20 electoral college votes. That automatically secures it for him. Plus, Nevada was called for him with margins that continue to grow, which would put him somewhere in and around 200 and the high 270s. Uh, it is increasingly more difficult for President Trump to say that so many clerical errors happened in this election that several states have the incorrect results. Maybe one state would be retracted. Maybe Georgia is going to go to a recount. Joe Biden didn't need it. The number that he needed came from Pennsylvania, and it is unlikely that President Trump is going to win that state, making it you know, a near certainty that if this happened to go to a recount, Pennsylvania would secure this presidency. What are you expecting? You've watched the presidency of Donald Trump very closely from your you're, you're, you know, you're, you're perched, as it were, uh, in, in, in Washington. What are you expecting from Trump over the next days and weeks? Uh, we are expecting um, the unexpected. There are concerns that President Trump may, uh, might, may kind of go off and start removing key members of the administration, maybe the FBI director, maybe the, uh, the Secretary of Defense, people who have not stood in line with him, uh, and maybe, as the presidency is getting in the way of his victory, there's a chance that he could do that. There's a chance to sow discord uh, and create an environment that makes it much more difficult for uh, Joe Biden once he becomes president. Uh, on January 20th. There's any number of things that the president could do to muddy up the situation here. This is a president who is a fighter. He has said earlier this week that winning is easy, losing is not, especially for him. And we're seeing that right now uh, by him not giving a concession speech. It's unknown what President Trump is going to do. We'll have to wait to see if he picks up the phone uh, and dials Joe Biden uh, to say congratulations. Okay. And in the 45 seconds or so we have left, you did tell us in the first time we talked today that there have been GOP leaders, Republican leaders, who have, in fact, reached out to Joe Biden. There have been uh, GOP uh, uh, senators. There have been uh, governors. There have been representatives. There have been former presidents that are reaching out from the Democratic side. We're waiting to hear from George Bush. Uh, his brother, Jeb Bush, has reached out. There is a bipartisan uh, understanding here that Donald Trump has lost this election. It is simply in the hands of Donald Trump to see if he accepts the reality that he lost this election. What do you expect is going to happen now going forward? What's 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 next? Well, I mean, look, litigation is ultimately what is going to be next uh, for the president uh, to try and hold on to power as long as he can. Uh, ultimately, understanding that this is going to be certified by the Electoral College on December 14th. And unless we end up with faithless electors or he forces GOP legislatures to put different electors in place, uh, I mean, the Supreme Court is going to be his, his final and last chance here. It's just hard to see what the Supreme Court is going to do when you've had secretaries of state from both Republican and Democratic states saying that there's been no fraudulent activity uh, in any of this election. So, I mean, th these are just really the final grips of a president uh, who, who, is, who is under immense pressure right now to realize uh, that he has not won an election that he fought so hard to win. So what do you expect Joe Biden to do? What, uh, what, what's, what should he be doing? Well, first and foremost, Joe Biden, uh, when he speaks tonight, is going to bring forth that message of unification that he's been doing for the last couple of days now, saying that he's not... Uh, you know, a, a Democratic president who's, you know, going to look after Democrats across America. He's going to bring this, I'm a president for every single American in this country. That is what we are going to hear from him. Uh, and he is likely going to try to push past the bombast and the rhetoric uh, and, and the kind of uh, conspiracies that we've been hearing from the administration, not just during this election, but really for the last four years. But ultimately, what Joe Biden's likely going to focus on right now 
uh, is COVID-19. Like you mentioned right before we started talking, it's, it's blowing up in Canada. It is beyond blowing up in the United States. And these are going to be the strongest headwinds that Joe Biden has to face and run into when he assumes power and in the weeks leading up to that, uh, to the inauguration. Reggie, I meant to ask you earlier, and I, I didn't, and I uh, should have, but I want to do it now. Kamala Harris, the uh, vice president in, in waiting, vice president-elect, uh, tell us, please, about uh, about uh, Ms. Harris uh, in that role. What does she bring? What does she What does she add to the Biden uh, administration? Number one, she adds a historic moment, being the first woman in more than two centuries uh, of having a president in this country uh, to have a female vice president. That is representative of the majority of women across the country. She is a person of color. She is black. She is of South Asian descent. Uh, she comes from uh, immigrant parents who tried to build a new life uh, in the United States. This is what the United States is made of. The United States is not uh, a whitewashed country. It is a diverse country. We're seeing that in states like Texas, where Democrats are making inroads. We're seeing that in states like Atlanta, where, uh, in Georgia, where Democrats are making inroads. And Kamala Harris is representative of what the United States looks like. She is also not the age that we typically see uh, presidents and vice presidents. She's younger. She is able to attract in and draw in a different crowd than an elder statesman like Joe Biden can do. Uh, She will have a pivotal and important role in this administration, much like Biden had uh, with former President Obama. And I think he is relying on the skill set that she brings to unify uh, a diverse nation that has been incredibly politically divided over the last four years. Now, we talked a little bit about this in our first uh, conversation today, but I'd, I'd like to bring it back to the uh, to the issue of uh, the power in Washington. So the Democrats will have the White House. They will have the House. And, and how do you see the Senate fight ending? So it, it's, it's going to be close. Uh, there's a chance here. There's there's a, a there's a 50-50 chance here that Democrats can take some kind of control, uh, or that we wind up in a 50-50 tie where there are 50 Democrats, there are four, uh, there are 50 Republicans, there are 48 Democrats, and there are two independents who caucus with the Democrats. Uh, in that scenario, the Democrats are going to win. Kamala Harris is going to become the president of the Senate uh, and would be in charge of breaking any 50-50 ties. This is uh, a potential legislative plus for Democrats who are not going to have. Uh, the sole majority in this in this uh, in this house. Uh, number two, this is all going to come down to Georgia. This is going to be an incredibly tight race, an incredibly hard fought race. Eyes will be on Georgia for the next several weeks. Money will be dumped into Georgia. Surrogates will be flying into Georgia. This is um, this is a new political era across a state that has been ruby red since the 1990s, uh, from when Bill Clinton had originally won uh, that state. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard fought. And if Democrats can win. They will show that the South is no longer the old South, that it is risen uh, with a diverse tone and and with uh, an ability to kind of be broadening from this Republican stronghold that it's had. So final question for you. What's your takeaway from today? Look, this this has been... You know, I don't want to make this about the journalists. I, I want to make this about the, the, about the presidency. But this has been uh, an incredibly difficult four years for journalists, uh, not only in this country but around the world. We've been attacked. We've been assailed. We've been called fake. We've been we have been taken the core of the assault uh, of this administration's inability to uh, to deal with the presidency and, and to be factually correct. Um, this has been a, a long process, uh, and it is it is good to see that 
so many millions upon millions of Americans in historic numbers went out and cast a vote. Uh, you know, 70 million votes for Donald Trump is big. 75 million votes for Joe Biden is big. Uh, this is democracy at its core working at its best. And even in attempts to undermine it, um, democracy wins. And I think that's what we have seen uh, after four years of the Trump administration. That is a huge number of voters, isn't it? That's just massive. It I, is. It's, it's, a, it's historic. Yeah. Curtis, what's your take on what happened? Well, I can tell you, just from uh, New York City, uh, Roy, you would think that it was uh, the end of Prohibition, 1933. People are poured into the streets. As you know, this is a big Biden-Harris area. And they're singing Happy Days are here again. Even millennials and hipsters who don't even know where that song came from. They're dancing, they're frolicking, half of them aren't wearing masks, masks, half of them are drinking, they're partying, no social distancing, but what the hell, this is about social justice, not the pandemic. But that's New York City, where I'm talking to you from. That's not necessarily the rest of the country, where, as you can see, Rudy Giuliani is digging in. And I will tell you, Canadians know the corruption in Wayne County in Detroit. That's right across the river uh, from Windsor. They, they know the history there. And anyone who knows the history of Philadelphia is they almost invented ballot harvesting and ballot corruption. So we'll see where this all winds up. But I will tell you, in America, lawyers who have been on retainer for months now, earning millions of dollars, are out there on behalf of Trump trying to find one sympathetic judge in one state at the federal level who will hear the case, who will agree with Team Trump, and then it begins to work its way up the federal court level, the appellate division, the United States Supreme Court finally, and it could well be that Amy Coney Barrett, the brand new U.S. Supreme Court justice, is the deciding vote in all of this. Now, that's a long shot, but that is a possibility. So, Curtis, what is the case that the lawyers for Mr. Trump will be making? And if it goes to the Supreme Court, what would the Supreme Court's power be as far as the election is concerned? Well, if it makes it to the United States Supreme Court, what Team Trump, the lawyers, Rudy Giuliani and everyone else on retainer have to prove is that they had violated state law in the way they counted the ballots. Remember, back to 2000, the reason it went to the United States Supreme Court is that different counties in Florida were counting their ballots differently. So they stopped the recount, they brought it to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they ruled in favor of Bush 43 against Al Gore, even though Al Gore won the popular vote. In this case, it's a lot more complicated because you're talking a minimum of two states, Pennsylvania and Nevada, and possibly two more just to assure a victory for Trump you would have to win four cases, somehow combine them, bring them to the United States Supreme Court and prove that there was either ballot harvesting, which is illegal, or that the ballots were being counted differently in those states in the different counties that make up that state. Now, that's going to be a difficult thing to do, but if you could get the documentary evidence, actual affidavits signed by witnesses who are willing to appear before a judge in court, you can at least begin the process. And if one judge, that's all it takes, one judge at the federal court level, who, as you know, will be infamous if he or she makes that decision to agree to hear the case and kick it upstairs, it then begins the long uh, voyage to the United States Supreme Court. 
What's the time frame uh, for this, Curtis, if it were to go to the Supreme Court? And then part B of the question is, how long does Donald Trump have before he, he essentially has to concede if he does? Well, they all say that the Electoral College must meet in the middle of December and officially file the state votes, which, if all goes the way it appears now, would be in favor of Joe Biden becoming the next president. And then the inauguration, according to the Constitution, should take place January 20th of a brand new president. But this is the era of the pandemic, the year of the pandemic. Rules have been changed in various states because of the pandemic. That is the legal theory that Rudy Giuliani and Team Trump are going on is that, wait a second, you've changed all these rules in court. They were supposed to be established by the various state legislatures. If you've changed them in the states to allow for the vote to occur after November 3rd, well, why can't you allow for a count of the Electoral College after mid-December and possibly a slight postponement of the actual inauguration? Now, you know, if you were listening to that argument in a non-biased way, you would say, makes sense. We, we postponed everything else in this pandemic. Why wouldn't you want to postpone this just a few extra weeks? to make sure that every ballot gets counted, that there is a recount. Four states are going to have a recount because it's within the margin of 1%, so that's the law in those states. Pennsylvania will have a recount. Wisconsin will have a recount. Georgia will have a recount. Nevada will have a recount. That's not because of what Rudy Giuliani and Team Trump are saying. That's the law in those states. So I suggest, hey, let's give it all an additional month put it into February, and let the process take place. And if Team Trump cannot prove its case, Joe Biden will obviously be inaugurated in as the next president of the United States. Okay, I appreciate your time. I've got two more questions for you. What about the issue, and you and I talked about this at length uh, last weekend, what about the issue or the concern about violence in the streets? Where does that stand now? You had, I think it was 4,000 guardian angels who were ready to go and protect communities across the United States. What's it like today? Well, I haven't seen the merchants, the vendors, and the landlords taking the plywood off of their facades, their windows, and their entrances and exits to their buildings. But I have a feeling after the euphoria that we've witnessed in the streets of New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, the cities where most likely you would see violence take place by anarchists and Black Lives Matter, if in fact it remained neck and neck and Donald Trump was ahead in the vote, in the vote count, even with recounts underway, uh, I would say it's a guarantee that there would be riots and looting. I don't know now. People are too busy partying. Uh, the anarchists, Black Lives Matter, the rabble risers, they may decide in a few days to riot anyway. But right now, I don't think that's going to happen, even though I have the Guardian Angels, 4,000 of them at the ready in various major urban areas around the United States that have suffered from rioting and looting all summer and all early fall. And the final question, of course, now we look at uh, what's coming up in New York City, 2021, and that is the uh, mayoral race, and you're running to replace uh, de Blasio. Uh, How that guy got elected, I I have no idea. But uh, So what what are the fundamentals of the case that you're putting to the people of New York City? What changes with Curtis Sliwa as mayor? 
Well, if, in fact, Donald Trump does not become the next president of the United States, it'll make uh, my long shot run as mayor, as a Republican, a little easier. Because they won't be looking at me as if uh, I am Donald Trump Jr. And then, because the president has won re-election, they're going to take it out of me. So at least I'll be heard as Curtis Sliwa. The problem is the registration here is eight to one. Eight Democrats for every one Republican. The only route to victory is you have to get more blacks, Hispanics, and Asians, gays and lesbians uh, than Republicans normally get, which is, which quite frankly is what Donald Trump was able to do. And you've got to get the blue-collar working-class voters who normally would vote Democrat. By the way, that's what Donald Trump was successful in doing, in making a race so close at the national level. So I would pretty much want to follow in his footsteps in getting that percentage of the vote, not necessarily in the manner and way that he did it, and that's going to be the trick. And actually, everybody hates de Blasio now, so he has no supporters on the left, the right, or the middle. So whoever the Democrat is that emerges will probably want to align themselves with AOC, All Out Crazy, the Democrat Socialists of America, and that'll make my job a little easier because even moderate Democrats are afraid of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Okay. Uh, Curtis, always great talking to you. Thank you so much for the time. And you don't have a history of losing. I know that about you. So, yeah. My we'll pleasure. Talk, my hands, we'll talk again. My hands across America to Canada. And right back, to, right back at you, Curtis. Thanks again. All the best, my friend. Curtis Lee, from WABC Radio in New York City, running for mayor next year. Um, de Blasio, I mean, even he went to a, remember he went to the police funeral and the police officers all turned their backs on the mayor because he was not supportive of his own officers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. By the way, if you're projected to be president of the United States, that doesn't mean that you actually are going to be, but the odds are pretty good that you will be if the projections are made because they do it scientifically but um it's a it's a fascinating system because ultimately it'll go to the uh, electoral college 270 individuals in the electoral college will have to sign off on who's going to be the president and each state has a number or at least each party has in each state a number of individuals who run to become the members of the electoral college for that state so the republicans would have x number of members of their party run to be the uh, electoral college representatives in that state the Democrats would have the same, and then if the Democrats win the state, it's their slate of, uh, of Electoral College uh, winners who go and actually will vote. Now, there's nothing, and you may remember this from 2016, there is nothing that compels the, the actual uh, Electoral College members to vote for the person they're supposed to vote for. So if you're a Republican uh, in uh, Florida, and you're supposed to vote for Donald Trump, 
you can say, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to vote for Biden. There's nothing, nothing that can stop you, stop that from happening. Similarly and conversely, a Democrat who's supposed to vote for, uh, for Joe Biden, they say he has Pennsylvania now, so let's say Pennsylvania, a Democrat who's uh, committed uh, to vote for, uh, party-wise, committed to vote for, for Biden, doesn't have to do it because they can say, you know what, I thought this over, and I'm not going to do it. John Zogby joins us on the Roy Green Show. John Zogby Strategies, world-famous pollster, the world-famous Zogby Poll, the Zogby Report podcast, also author of We Are Many, We Are One, and I also like talking to John. Did I get that right about the Electoral College, John? You did. You did. And, and legally, um, there is nothing to prohibit you know, an elector uh, from going to the state capitol one month to the day after the election, casting his or her vote whichever way they want, except um, uh, they, the only reason they got there is because of spending their entire adult life uh, as party loyalists. And so if they want to risk losing their friends, being censured by the party, being humiliated, uh, you know, they can vote independently. Here and there, We've had instances where people have voted independently, but uh, there are cases that I remember where the elector has, has actually said, you know, I know that so-and-so won the state. I know everybody else is going to vote for so-and-so, but I just can't. Is it okay? And sometimes they get a pass to do that. So don't expect any changes is what I'm No, no I, I don't expect it. But it's, it's interesting because the debate was going on in 2016. There was questioned, mm-hmm. certainly some Trump uh, voters in the Electoral College were trying to flip them, but it didn't happen. What, John, when you look back at the election campaign, and you and I have talked uh, on a number of occasions as this campaign moved forward, I always appreciate you coming on the show. When, when, when you look at the election itself, and and then you look at the polling that was taking place, and let me take you right into your industry. There's supposed to be a blue wave. What happened? Well, there was a blue wave <laughs> before the election. They all came out to vote in record numbers, and at the same time, there was a massive red wave that came out. Say what you like, but Donald Trump could rev up his base and get them out to vote, and um, and he did. So instead of I mean, we had 138 million total voters four years ago. We were anticipating 150 million. When all is said and done, it's going to exceed 160 million voters. And, and so there was indeed a big blue wave of voters, but an equal blue wave or equal wave of red voters as well. And the polls were wrong. Uh, some of the major polls in the United States um, were not only wrong, but they were miserably wrong. That does not include mine, incidentally. No, I know it doesn't. A few others yeah. who nailed it, uh, who who actually nailed the election. Yeah, I should have, I should have, I should have said that out of the gate. Your your no, your poll wasn't one of them. Um, I just I just assume people knew that. Um, <laughs> John, the issue of um, political tribalism. Mm. And uh, and there's been concern that there could be violence in in the United States. We've talked about that. And you told me about a month ago on this program, you thought that maybe the attitude in the United States prior to the election was something similar to what it might have existed, at least emotionally, in 1860 prior to the Civil War. Uh, what do you expect to happen with people who are just uh, gulfs apart? You know, Roy, everything that folks had said would play out has played out, you know. Uh, election Day voters voted for Trump. He declared victory. 
the big wave came of counting the blue ballots, let's call them, after the election. That did happen. Biden won. Now the president has made it very clear he's not accepting it. In fact, he may be one of the very few Republican leaders in the United States who's not accepting the election. Donald Trump is almost completely isolated on this. He holds a lot of, of sway here. If he were to tell his supporters, go back home, let's respect the democracy, it was close, we were not repudiated, um, he could calm things down. If he wants to go down this road of conspiracy theories, that little clip that you played was, you know, a part, only a part of what he's been saying about stolen votes and uh, and whatever. If he wants to go down that road, he's gonna, he's going to create that awfully ugly scenario. What uh, what do you expect is going to happen? What is your experience and your expertise tell you is going to happen between now? And the twentieth of January. I, I think we're in for a rough patch. Uh, I don't think that uh, Trump will back down from the court challenges. I'm not an election lawyer, but I've covered elections for many, many years now. I don't see any legal basis uh, for uh, any federal courts uh, ruling on this. You know, there there is no evidence that anybody's rights were infringed upon. Uh, or anybody's ballots were not counted accurately. Um, and so with that said, this is just going to be a waste of time. Uh, meanwhile, I do believe that Joe Biden will proceed as he has won and form a cabinet and try to calm souls down uh, in the United States. But I think we're in for a rough patch for, for a couple of weeks anyway. Okay, one more question for you. Um, projected victory, projected victory. And I see emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com asking me, well, you know, it's the Associated Press started it with uh, projecting a victory for Joe Biden. And and the question is, how accurate are they? What, has it happened that a uh, projected victor has been uh, declared and then the ballots are counted and it's whoops? Famous case, of course, was calling Florida in the year 2000. Uh, Florida was razor thin continued after three recounts uh, to be, uh, well, one count and two recounts, to be very close, down to a, a couple of hundred votes, actually. And so on election night, yeah, it was called for Gore, then it was called for Bush, then it was retracted, then it was called for Bush, uh, and then it finally got resolved in a, a five-to-four decision in the United States Supreme Court. Um, with no real legal basis, the Supreme Court acted kind of like as a traffic cop. You had all these, you had the Gore vehicles and the Bush vehicles all in one intersection. Somebody had to back down. And, uh, and the Supreme Court uh, empowered uh, Gore to, to back down or, you know, whatever. Um, but in this instance, um, uh, yeah, it has happened before, and there was a lot of bitterness. In fact, it's still the source of a lot of bitterness um, uh, uh, that we face in the country today. But this is unprecedented, where uh, a candidate himself is saying, I will not accept the results. The whole system is corrupt. I mean, uh, folks that are listening now need to understand every county in the United States has a Republican commissioner, 
and uh, uh, a Democratic commissioner that handles all of the voting procedures within that county. If there are ballots that are being counted, it's done in the presence of representatives from both parties. Are things, are wheels already turning with the announcement made today? Let's talk to Tom Caldwell, chairman of Caldwell Investment Management. They have seats on the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange. Um, Tom, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, knowing that uh, we're told that uh, Joe Biden will have at least 284 electoral college votes, which will easily get him into the White House. Are things already starting to happen with investors, or did that happen weeks ago? Or How will things change if they do? Well, if I could presume to speak for the, uh, for the investment community, which is a big leap, I think folks are happy that you know, Biden is a pretty benign character. He's, he's not leading edge. He's not controversial. And that's part of the reasons the Democrat chose him. He, he mutes the extreme uh, radical left of the Democratic Party. Uh, the combination of, of Biden with uh, if and hopefully the uh, Republican control of the Senate means that it'll be, he'll be a traditional almost do-nothing, promise a lot, but not able to deliver in a great deal. Uh, he won't even be able to do, um, have these tax increases if he doesn't control the Senate. So it's, it's a more of a business-as-usual outcome, uh, probably with a little bit less drama than we've heretofore seen. But it isn't over till it's over, as uh, Yogi Berra said. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Joe Biden promising to kill Keystone XL? That is uh, concerning people in the in Western Canada, of course, in the energy sector. Well, it's always I always considered odd that Canadians prefer the Democrats, and the Democrats have never been friends of Canada. They are blatantly protectionist. Always have been. Uh, Bush uh, Jr. was most favored to Canada. His favorite line was, "Give Canada what they want." because he saw us as allies, friends, etc. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that he will, that um, President Biden, if he is elected, will uh, kill the Keystone again. Uh, and that's just been a political football for years and years. So we'll have to wait and see, but I, I, he does have the power to do that. And uh, that would be uh, upsetting to Canada. And, and just keep in mind, the Democrats are not friends of Canada. And, and uh uh, so the protectionist sentiment out of the U.S. I don't think is going to abate. So America first, buy American, America Absolutely. first. Absolutely. Do you expect anything really fruitful to come out of a Trudeau-Biden relationship? Well, Trudeau, Trudeau's frankly, is not particularly well regarded internationally. At the G7 or anywhere else, he's not seen as a particularly strong and effective advocate for Canada, uh, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, even his efforts to fly around the world and bribe tin-pot dictators so he could get a seat in the Security Council failed. Um, and, and frankly, he, 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 he just doesn't have the ability, capability, insight, uh, uh, or I believe intellect, to, to really state our case. We, we need, and, and, and there's a, a point that I think that the world could really use a strong middling power like Canada on the world stage, and unfortunately we're not there. We're an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, Tom, in the longer term, if we look down the road past the end of 2020, the pandemic's underway, if we get to 2021 and things are somewhat more settled, does, does the Biden administration... Do we go back to what you said at the beginning of our conversation as far as a longer projection for Biden is concerned into years three and four? 
I think it'll be a, a, a calm business as usual, so not a great deal of drama. In his 47 years in Congress, I don't think he sponsored and piloted any bill through Congress. I, I don't think that happened. Uh, he has flip-flopped on some issues, no fracking. Yes, I'm in favor of fracking. But that's been the story of his whole political career. He will go with the flow. He'll be a moderate candidate. And, and hopefully he might be able to build some bridges between the two warring factions, because America, as we all know, is spinning out of control with factionalism. It's, it's, uh, it's, it makes one wonder if we're going to see the end of the American century, because somebody has to bring some kind of consensus uh, through this. And, and who knows, maybe he might do a little bit better by being a little bit less controversial, a little bit less insulting, etc. So it, it, it could be a positive period. I, as you know, I'm an incurable optimist. Well, I wanted to ask you about the uh, factionalism in the United States and the concern that there could be some real violence, some uh, real confrontations taking place, and Mr. Trump still hasn't conceded that he's lost the election. How does that impact on uh, the bigger picture of investors, which then also, of course, uh, filters down to the rest of us who are kind of at the bottom of the pile? Well, well you know, it's interesting. Now, this is just my opinion, and it's as bad as anyone else's, but my suspicion was that if if President Trump was reelected, there would be more likely violence from the radical left than the other way around. If if uh, Trump is uh, um, is 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 not is elected or is not elected, uh, Republicans just don't go out and start uh, raising the Dickens as we've seen in the last little while. So my sense is that you can have that. You, you have lots of uh, lunatic fringes in America on both sides. So you can never discount that, but that seems to be the nature of America. It, it's, I have this theory that countries that came into existence through violence stay violent, and, and that's been the story of America. Let me bring this home for the final question, uh, Tom, really just bring it home. The political fighting, infighting that's going on in this country. Uh, we send so many negative signals. We have interprovincial trade hurdles. We have no national pipeline infrastructure. We have an active campaign by Justin Trudeau to phase out the oil sands. Uh, what is that doing to our prospects at a time when we're running the kinds of deficits God only knows we couldn't have even imagined uh, two years ago, and and, the, and our national debt is cruising past a trillion dollars? Well, I think... Spending is something you almost can't control in the middle of a war, although we do have to reach a point where governments have to trust its citizens to be doing the right thing. But the challenge we have is we don't have either strong or effective or intelligent leadership. I mean, um, our our current leadership in Ottawa is focused on the same old uh, socially correct um, uh, issues that they're fine and they're important, environmentalism, inclusion, these are important things, but right now we have to have leadership as a country. If we build a strong country with a strong economy, all things are possible. Uh, if we do not do that, if we just, you know, demand, uh, we end this, in this age of entitlement that everybody is, is, is given a piece of the action and we, we just sort of don't go anywhere, don't provide the strong leadership, then we're just going to turn inward on ourselves. But we need to have some uh, leadership that looks beyond the popular issues and say, what are we going to do to build the country? What are we going to encourage? I mean, to give you a good example, the, the World Center for Artificial Intelligence is, no one many people get this, it's Toronto, believe it or not. Young, smart people from all over the world. We have this uh, uh, Kitchener-Toronto uh, basis of uh, 
intellect. That could be a Silicon Valley kind of thing. We, we have to really get beyond, behind and support major new initiatives and get off the old hobby horses that sound politically correct and they, they fit well with some of the papers and some of the special interest groups. But we, we need leadership. Where are we going? What are we going to do when we grow up? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.